The Chronicles of Awakened podcast is a work of fiction, created and narrated by J.A. Larock. You can find our podcast on Himalaya, Google Play, iTunes, and wherever podcasts are found. And now, Chapter 17, Destiny's Road. Claire and I had been walking for hours throughout the night. We had left the city where we were and headed out into a desert. The moonlight had dimmed. It seemed as if the night was getting darker the further we walked. I could not help but wonder, why would there be a need for a day and a night in the afterlife? I could only come to the conclusion that like the decimated city we had just left, it was all part of the manipulation process. We had to believe we were on Earth and everything was as we knew. It would be the best way to get us to accept it and in turn control us. The energy inside me was still present, though not as intense as before. My flesh, or whatever my body was comprised of, however, was still weakened. My arm was draped over Clara's shoulder. We had walked through the darkness without saying a word to each other. My feelings had not dulled, but my anger had faded. Unfortunately, all my other emotions inside me had faded as well. I knew my words had hurt Clara, and though she said nothing, I could see it in her eyes. The problem was, I was not concerned about that. I had always wanted to keep my emotions in check, but not to the point that I could not care about others or feel true happiness and love. What Richter had done was to take everything I believed, everything that I knew, and distort it. The result was I could not trust anything from my past and could only focus on the present. Without a base to look back upon, the feelings and emotions that came from them could also not be trusted. In the end, love, hate, happiness, sadness, anger, was unnecessary. There was something I had to do, and that was all that mattered. Everything else was to be disregarded. The realization of that brought me back to my training. The Alliance wanted its soldiers to focus on the mission and to at least temporarily put all else aside. Once you had your mission succeeded, then you could focus on other things. But while you were tasked with a job, only the job mattered, and nothing was to stand in your way. I assumed Richter had tasked me for something, but I could not even be sure of that. Everyone I had encountered considered me special with a specific destiny I had to fulfill. My question to myself was, is my destiny to help or to harm? The night was cold, and though I could not see a thing, Clara continued on into the darkness as if she was locking on to a homing beacon. Her eyes also told me that she had been tasked. She had told me it was her who first asked to find me and bring me home. But I wondered about that. Perhaps she was specifically chosen because she was one of the only few people that I would follow. As far as I was concerned, we were all pawns. I was tired of playing their game and just wanted it all to end. Clara, I, I need to stop. 
I rested against a large rock and stared out into the night. There were many thoughts and questions swirling inside my mind, but I could not just pick one to isolate. Claire did not say a word. She stood silently staring in the same direction we were heading. There was a feeling inside me that once we reached our destination, there would be little time for talk. If I wanted to say something, then that time would be the best. I'm sorry. I won't lie and say that what I said was just in a moment of anger. I don't know what is real anymore. This right now could be another illusion. Maybe you have been in one reality long enough to accept it. But what if it was ripped away like mine was? What would you say? How would you feel? Clara slowly walked behind me and leaned against the rock. I turned my head to see her staring up to the sky. To survive here, I had to come to the realization that everything that had happened was real. When my parents died, a part of me wanted to wash away their memory. It was too painful to think about them. All the love they showed me, all they sacrificed for me. I told myself that I would not be disgracing them to try and forget. They knew I loved them. Why continue to think of them now if it caused so much pain? She took a deep breath and turned her head towards me. The faint moonlight shimmered off of the tears falling from her eyes. Tightness in my chest reminded me that I did care. Not just about the suffering of others, but the pain Clara was feeling inside. The pain I felt also reminded me of the love they gave me. I could not separate the good from the bad, and it reminded me that the pain that I went through helped to shape who I was. Regardless of what was a true event, or what was implanted, it is what we do with it that matters. I was not going to drown in the pain Richter caused me. I turned it into fuel. I used it to strengthen me, to find a way out of this. Her words made more sense than anything I had thought on my own. The reason the military used virtual training for its advanced soldiers was so that they could experience the pain and learn from it to make them stronger. Even if Richter exposed me to all those false realities to break me, it was up to me to either be broken or to turn the tables and gain strength from it. The energy that I had built up inside me was just that. My power. My strength. I... I understand. I thought the correct thing to do was focus only on the now and disregard the past. I was wrong. There are feelings, memories within me of our time together. Real or created, they are still there. And even though there were bad times, there was much more good times. Much more love between you and I, Clara. Clara walked from behind me and placed my arm around her shoulder. Faith is the confidence and belief 
and a person, a thing or an idea. I have faith in myself and in God. I know together we will find a way out. I also have faith in you, David. In my heart, I know you loved me, and I still love you to this very moment. I know you don't share my religious beliefs. You never have. But if you can just have faith in yourself, then you'll find the strength to continue and to achieve any goal you've set for yourself. Once again, I could feel the warmth from Clara's body. It had been so long, I had forgotten what it had felt like. As we continued on into the night, I came to a realization that the warmth felt just like Sarah's. It was love that I was feeling. It covered my entire body like a blanket. Wrapped in its aura, I knew what I had felt with both of them was true. Knowing that made the night a little bit brighter. It was then I realized where we were. In the distance, I could see the towering mountain that was blocking out most of the moonlight. I should have realized where we were earlier. It made so much sense. From my point of view, everything happened there, and it was when I walked through those massive steel doors that everything began. We had returned to that place. Naxum Research? Your base, where everyone is, is in Naxum Mountain? Flag needed a place that was familiar. This was the best place for him to continue his research while saving whom he could. Clara's words froze me in my tracks. I stood frozen staring ahead, and none of my other experiences had Flag ever worked at Naxum Research. He worked for Naxum? I thought it was part of Alpha Medical. He told me he did. I just took him at his word. We continued on, and as we drew closer to the entrance, I thought more and more about what I thought I had known about Flag. Everything about him that I believed could have been a lie. That much I was willing to accept. It was possible that Flag held information that Richter wanted, and to keep me from him, he made it so I would come to distrust him and to hate him. Either way, I would soon find out. We arrived at the gates of Naxum Research, just as the sun was rising behind us. The grounds just outside the blast doors were littered with damaged and destroyed vehicles. The security gates hung in disarray, with many of them lying and broken on the ground. Just outside the guard tower, a small graveyard with six graves sat in the shadow of the mountain. I could not help but stare at them thinking about the possibility of a second death. You said something to me when I first awoke. You said it wasn't safe, that we had to move. These graves, they were never here when I worked at Naxum. Clara walked over and knelt down next to one of the graves. She closed her eyes and ran her hand across a makeshift cross that had been placed there, made from tree branches. I walked up behind her and looked down at the grave. It was then that I could see a name carved into one of the pieces of wood. Who was Renee? She was a young woman 
that I helped to rescue. Henry told me when he brought me here that even though Richter himself could not reach us, he could send his minions to attack. The entrance to Naxum, while in disarray, was still confined, well enough to defend against a forward attack. I took notice that there had been modifications done in an attempt to reinforce the perimeter fence. I had not realized it before, but the destroyed vehicles were aligned to serve as a bottleneck for any attacking force. Richter's minions? So he's attacked before? Yes. The attacks only seem to happen when we pull someone out. When Flag and I retrieved Renee, we were attacked by soldiers. At least, that's what I thought they were. They were nothing more than shells. They looked like humans, but were made of energy. Luckily, they seemed to be forced to act and respond, as if human. Clara stood from the grave and began to walk towards the guard tower leading to the entrance of Naxum Research. I paid closer attention to my surroundings, taking note of the shell casings scattered around the ground. Near one of the damaged vehicles was a blue, dried, liquid-like substance. I knelt down to take a closer look. It's what our blood looks like now. Flag told me our bodies went through a energy-to-matter conversion process. This allows us to function as we did when alive. We still technically have internal organs as we did when alive, which is why we breathe and can still get tired or hurt. Our blood is a concentrated form of life energy. Flag calls it plasma-based on the theory of ectoplasm. For so long I believed everything that was happening was about me. Seeing the blood of others spattered across the desert, I understood that it was not just about my life, but the souls of all the humans who had died. If anything, death was to bring peace, but peace was not what I had found in this afterlife. Renee was killed by Richter's minions? So you can die, even in the afterlife. They attacked us as we were heading here. We did everything we could, but they specifically wanted her. Their bodies, just like our human bodies, react in the same way to trauma. We were able to use guns against them, but Renee was struck several times by their fire. We killed them, but Renee died before we reached here. I turned to look back towards the grave. It was conceivable that if I was able to feel the warmth of Clara's skin and then the fatigue and stress on my own body, that I could also die. Victor had a fallback plan. So what happens next? There is no body beneath the ground. When we die, our bodies return to energy and disappear. Henry believes our life energy returns to our point of entry when we first died. That means it comes under Richter's control again. We tried to search for her life energy signature, but we could never find it. Once we die in here, we are lost forever. At least that's what we've come to believe. I now understood why we were placed in a replica of Maiden City. 
It was a place of despair and war. It would cast a gloom over anyone who experienced any time there. While I did not know if it was Richter's doing that put human souls in an earth-like afterlife, I did understand better now what the other Clara had told me. Our minds would easily adapt to a world similar to our own, and because of our human-like bodies, we would be susceptible to human frailties. I would have to rely on my training as a soldier once again. Strangely, the thought of that brought me some comfort. The familiarity of war and the possibility of death made everything feel real. It was a sad truth, but a truth nonetheless. Make a move and you're dead, a voice called out. Directly behind me, kneeled behind a pile of debris, I could see a young man aiming at me with an X-21 rifle. I took notice of the weapon because it was the last gun designed by the Federation military, and as far as I knew, no one had ever made it to Maiden City. His voice was strong, and his positioning was perfect. I could only see the top of his head and its rifle. His eyes were looking at mine, ready to kill. Clara ran between us, waving him off, but he did not look away. I had seen eyes like his before, in the face of my enemy. Kyle, stop, it's David. Kyle slowly stood, but he did not take his eyes off me. His weapon was still pointed at me. He was wearing the uniform of a Federation soldier. The instinct in me wanted to attack him, but I'm sure the instinct in him wanted to do the same. So this is the man who's supposed to save us all? I highly doubt that. Kyle looked at me with disdain, as if I had been the cause of all his problems. He slowly lowered his weapon, but he still regarded me as an enemy. The look in his eyes were confirmation of that. As I walked towards Clara, a young woman walked from around the guard tower. She was also carrying a weapon, a small handgun. Though she was dressed in civilian clothing, blue jeans and a t-shirt, she held her weapon as if someone who had been trained. We weren't sure he was one of us. They've been getting craftier lately. He isn't one of us, Kim. This guy knows nothing. Kim was much shorter than Clara, no taller than 5'3". She was very petite but did not appear malnourished. The look in her eyes was guarded. She was afraid, but able to keep it contained. She looked as if she had become accustomed to battle. I could not help but pity her for that. I watched as she approached Kyle and embraced him. Though I did not know for sure, I felt that they were in love. I know your concerns, Kyle. Maybe David isn't the one who will free us. But he needed to be freed, just like everyone else. Hey, I didn't ask for this. I'm no savior or a hero. Whatever flag and Clara believes it is, that is it alone, a belief. If I can help, then I will. If I can't, then I will help you fight until we find the person who can free us all. I walked away from the others, heading towards the blast doors. The anger was building up inside me, and I did not want to feel that way again. The idea that I was being used by Richter 
or that I was to be some savior for humanity was a burden that I did not want put upon me. It reminded me too much of my time with Sarah. I wanted to help, to serve. That was all. Saviors are for God. And I was no God. Hey, David, Kyle called out to me. Kyle had followed me to the blast doors. Clara and Kim stood near the guard tower talking. He had left his weapon behind and no longer looked at me with hatred. It was surprising to see such a change so quickly. Maybe I was wrong about you. You're right. None of us asked for this. I fought for the Federation and I hated the Alliance. Not because of what they stood for, but because I was told to hate you. Kim, she lived in Canada. She was not only a part of the Alliance government, but enacted policies that directly affected my home country. I fell in love with her anyway, and I was willing to defect. Kyle just stared at me for a moment. He sighed and turned to look back towards Kim. I was right in my initial assessment. Kyle was in love with her. It was the kind of love I felt for Clara, and for Sarah as well. They sent someone to kill me. I doubt they cared if they killed a member of the Alliance government in the process. When I reached her apartment, she was already dead. I was hit four times before I saw my attacker. I snapped his neck with my last ounce of strength, and I made my way over to her. I had to reach her. I had to tell her I was sorry. The look in his eyes was one I knew far too well. It was the same look I had. It was the guilt of causing the pain, suffering, and death of a loved one. I should have left it at that. I could have nodded and walked away. That's what I should have done. How do you... How do you know it was real? How do you know your love for Kim wasn't just a lie? The look of pain and regret in Kyle's eyes changed in an instant to rage and anger. He reared back and clenched his fist. I saw it coming, but I did not move. I deserved it. His punch struck me clean in the jaw and my knees buckled. I fell onto my back and my head slammed against a worn asphalt road. I was dazed and could only see a blurred body standing over me looking down. Was that real? Maybe I was right about you after all. You're not one of us. And you're definitely no hero. He didn't say another word. He turned and walked back towards the guard tower. I pulled myself up from the ground and saw Clara running towards me. She helped me to my feet and we began to walk back towards the blast doors. What did you say to him? Something stupid. We continued through the blast doors into a long corridor. I had entered the facility in the same manner so many times, but that day it felt so strange. Normally the hallway would be guarded by marines. Security lights and cameras would be scanning anyone who had a heartbeat. What I saw, walking towards the elevator with Clara, was nothing but emptiness and silence. Clara, how many people have you rescued? In total, 33. 
Six were killed. It's not easy to pull someone from the other world. Not everyone felt something was off or that something was missing. Many like you and your last experience were happy in their afterlife. Kyle believed the death of Kim never happened and that they were able to live on and have children. When I pulled him from that, he nearly killed us. We spent the next year trying to rescue his wife. There was so much more than just my story. I never contemplated how many human souls were being trapped in a created nightmare. It was estimated that the global war killed over 50 million people. So many people have died, and we don't know how long Richter had been manipulating their afterlife. Clara and I entered the elevator. She entered a security code on a small keypad. It was a number I was not familiar with. My security level, while high, still had its limits. As Clara pushed the button for level 27, it dawned on me that I had never been below level 20. Below there were the highest levels of military research. Even after the meteor strike, we were not allowed down there. So, what exactly has Flag been doing here? What makes him think anything he does here has any relevance in a created afterlife? Everything has its laws. You were trained using virtual reality. It was a computer simulation. It was created to simulate the real world, and so you were able to do pretty much whatever you could do in the real world. I understood what she was getting at. She'd mentioned before that the attackers Richter sent were able to be killed using weapons they found. That meant that anyone who interacted within the world would be subject to the laws of the real world. Maybe that was why Richter could never travel there. It would be because he was not human, and therefore could not exist in a reality created for humans. So, Flag is looking for a back door. If Richter can send beings to this place, then Flag should be able to send someone to Richter. Yes, David, that's exactly correct. Anything created here can be used here. Flag has created weapons and equipment that we have used against the attackers. He also discovered we can open a tear in this reality and cross into other ones. That is how I was able to find you, David. Flag now believes that he has a way to travel to where Richter is. The elevator came to a stop. Clara stared at me for a moment as the elevator's door opened. There was a look of concern on her face. She was worried about me, but I could not tell why. It was obvious she still loved me, and after what had happened, and after she retrieved me, she had every right to be afraid. However, it was not that. I felt that there was something she did not tell me, something she withheld, that was about to be revealed. Clara exited the elevator, and we proceeded down another long hallway that led to a massive room. As we continued walking, I could see a large capsule in the center of the room and several computer control stations surrounding it. My eyes widened and I recognized the design. It was the same as under Alpha Medical. Just below the large capsule was a smaller one. It was the glass coffin-shaped capsule that Flag had placed me in. Directly above it was a large diamond-shaped crystal. I could not help but stare at it in disbelief. 
So, you have seen this before. Flag's voice was the same that I remembered. There was no emotion in it. He spoke like he was a scientist talking to himself. Dressed in a white Naxxon research lab coat, Flag looked the same way he did when he stood over me, accusing me of being a traitor. My hands had balled into a fist. I could feel the anger building up inside of me, regardless of what Clara had said about him being there to help. Is it ready, Henry? Will this tell us if he's the one? Flag walked past Clara, not giving her as much as a glance. He approached me, looking me up and down as if I was a sample in a petri dish. Flag stopped directly in front of me, looking into my eyes. A smile came across his face. He looked like a man who had been searching for something all his life, and finally found it. There's no need. He is the one. This is definitely Alexander Xavier's son. Next week. Chapter 18.